It's time for another episode of Espresso Yourself with Chuck. And now, coming to the mic, your host, Chuck. Well, today's guest on Espresso Yourself with Chuck spent 14 years playing professional soccer. He is now a client advocate for the Lockton Companies. Welcome, Jack Jewsberry. Thank you so much, Chuck. Happy to jump on here and chat with you. Well, we're, we've got a lot to cover because you've done a lot of things. You're uh, in Kansas City now, but you actually uh, grew up not too far from here, certainly in a neighboring state. Tell us about um, just your youth and how you got into soccer initially. Absolutely. Yeah, I was born in Joplin, Missouri, moved at a very young age to um, southwest Missouri in Springfield and uh, grew up in Springfield. So all of my youth days were spent on soccer fields, baseball fields, or baseball diamonds. I don't know what you what you would call it, um, fields, diamonds, whatever. And then on the basketball court. So I grew up kind of doing it all, um, loved all the sports. At about high school level was kind of the time where I still wanted to do it all, but some of the coaches weren't, you know, weren't up for me missing a baseball game for a soccer practice in high school. And so at that point, kind of really had to dial in what what made the most sense for me. Um, and at that point, it was it was pretty clear that soccer was the the obvious choice. So at that point, kind of dialed into the, to to what I could do. And I mean, this was, you know, I graduated high school in 99 and MLS started in 96. So I grew up, I think I had a third grade teacher that said, you know, when they ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up and you write it down? I said a professional soccer player, but that's different today than it was in, you know, 1990 <laughs> and someone saying that so I don't really know why I wrote that I think I just had ambitions to to play a sport at a higher level um, and the reality at that time was probably let's see if you can make a college team and, and go from there um, but had a had a great high school career I ended up um, in club soccer um, you know at Springfield we called ourselves a soccer club we had a team called Titan Soccer Club but totally different than the club scene today. We, you know, we were one independent team that had a bunch of kids that grew up together and loved, loved fighting for one another when we crossed the lines. Um, but at the end of the day, about my junior year, there's a program called Olympic Development Program. And the way it kind of works is you try out via your state regional team. You make the state team, then you go try out for your regional team. You make the regional team, you go try out for the U.S. national team. That was the program back in the day um, that was kind of the pipeline for guys in small towns to to get to play with the kids from St. Louis and Kansas City and whatnot. And so made the state team, would make the regional team. Every once in a while, we get asked to go play with the national team. And at that point, the um, state coach was a coach there in St. Louis. And he had asked me, he said, hey, we'd love to have you play on our team here. We're going to be going to a lot of showcases. So I wouldn't say I made the commitment. It was more so my parents made the commitment to once a week drive into St. Louis uh, for me to have the opportunity to play with that club and be seen at a different level college-wise. So long, long story long, I uh, ended up going to St. Louis University. Um, so went to school at SLU, graduated from SLU in three and a half years. Um, reason being the MLS draft is in January, February timeframe. And after my sophomore year, I had a pretty good sophomore year and had a chance to leave early. And my parents were like, you are absolutely crazy if you think you're going to leave college for the minimum salary in MLS was $24,000 at that time. And so my college coach kind of set up a program where I could, you know, take extra courses in the summer and take one semester of 18 hours, which would get me done a semester early. So and be done in December and ready for the draft. So 
Um, anyway, got drafted to Kansas City. They were the Wizards at the time. Now they're sporting KC. Um, played in Kansas City for eight years. You know, we can we can talk a little bit more about the career. This is kind of just the path, but um, struggles early on to get playing time, just like any other rookie would be. Um, got loaned out to a team in Syracuse, New York, which was in a level below, and then came back to Kansas City and played my first few games that first year. And then gradually over time became more experienced and got on the field more. And um, and then kind of the, the funny part about my story in Kansas City is, you know, I was here eight years. We played in Arrowhead for a while. We played at the minor league baseball stadium for the T-Bones out there for a few years as they were building the new stadium and and got to know the ownership group pretty good here in Kansas City and and helped be a part of that process, which was awesome. And then March 1st came of, of 2011, right before the, the stadium was going to open. And I got I got traded out to Portland. Um, but that's, you know, I'd been here eight years close to family who could come and watch, which was a blessing. And so, um, and it was the right time for, for both Kansas city and me to make a move. Um, so got traded out to Portland, uh, with the Portland Timbers was part of their expansion team that year. So what that means is their first year in MLS and they were looking for kind of a more experienced guy. I was 29, the oldest guy on the team at the time. And, um, two weeks into it, coach handed me the captain's armband, um, right before the season started. So that was that was an awesome feeling. There's a rich history in Portland about the sport of soccer. So it was, it was fun to see the growth of the league and of that team there and, and being a captain in the early days. Played there for six years, won a championship in 2015, which was kind of like that last box I needed to check in the career. Retired a year later. Um, and then came the real world, uh, which was, was daunting in a lot of ways because professional soccer is, is getting better with the pay, but it, during my days, like I said, guys weren't making millions and millions of dollars and you could go work on your golf game when you when you finish playing. Um, I retired. I think my last game was October of 2016, January 1st, 2017. I started my new job. So first job out was at the club there in Portland as director of business development, which meant about 75 percent of my time was looking for new partners, sponsors, you know. When you look at a stadium and you see all the signage up in the stadium, those are the sponsors and partners that we're working with. So trying to use my relationships as a player to do indirect business development in those areas and bringing on new partners. And, and then the other 25% was in the community as an ambassador. Um, community program called Stand Together there where we did a lot of stuff with youth uh, in some ways similar to what you guys are doing in terms of education, make sure, you know, reading at a young age with the elementary schools, we had a program called, I think it was Rose City Readers, where we'd go in there and I would go read a book to kids, give them a book. Sometimes for some of those kids, it was the first book they've ever owned. Um, and some, some of those programs kind of hit home. I have two daughters of my own that are now 11 and 14, but in the early days, um, you know, that was a big importance and still is to this day for, for our kiddos. So did a lot of community work in the Portland area. And then a relationship popped up here in Kansas City that I, a guy I played with that's now at Lockton. And he said, hey, if you're doing business development, we'd love to chat with you if you ever want to get back closer to family. Um, and this was kind of in the middle of COVID and everything out in the Pacific Northwest. And so kind of, you know, wasn't necessarily looking for an opportunity, but always open to talk with folks and heard such good things about the Lockton company that um, kind of talked to the wife and said, hey, if this is something that's real and would be a good move for us, would we be open to it? And the answer was yes. And so about a month later after interviewing, coming to Kansas City for a whirlwind of interviews for about a day and a half, um, ended up accepting a job, like you said, as a client advocate here. We can talk more about that, but um, have been here almost 
coming up on two years at Lockton and man, we're, we're loving being closer to family, loving, um, the culture that the Lockton company has created, even though the continue, the companies continue to grow. And, um, but anyway, that's, again, that was a, geez, probably a longer intro than you wanted, but that was a little snapshot of where I was and where I'm at today. That's great. I have no more questions. <laughs> no, that was, that was a great summary. I do want to dig into, you know, the different aspects. Uh, first going back to growing up in Southwest Missouri. Um, well, is your, is your wife's family from around here too? Have you known her for a long time? Did you meet in college where? Uh... Yeah. So both of our families are in Springfield. Okay. Um, we went to high school together. Okay. At Kickapoo. We, at Kickapoo high school. We, yeah, we dated our senior year and then she stayed, um, there in Springfield at what was Southwest Missouri state university. Now Missouri state, she went to school there. I went to SLU. And so we stayed connected. Um, but it was, you know, the long distance thing. So we kind of did our own thing for a while in college. And then my second year with the Wizards kind of reconnected one off season and then ended up getting married uh, a few years later. And yeah. now, like I said, we have have two daughters that are, geez, one's going into high school and one's going into middle school. So we're we're aging quickly. <laughs> it, it only gets faster as you, as you get older. But um, so when you were at SLU, uh, obviously had a great career there. Um, you were drafted 43rd, I, I believe I um, read in that draft, but you said at the time, you know, it wasn't professional soccer wasn't at the level. I, it, it wasn't the way it is now today. Um, and so when your parents were saying you better stay and get your degree, what were you thinking at the time? Okay, well, I'll do what my parents want me to do, but I'm going to make you know, I'm going to make my career in soccer and I don't need the degree, but I'm just doing it. Or what was your thought process in getting the degree at that time? And in, and what was your major? So my um, major was in uh, business marketing. Um, to be quite honest, you know, coming from a small town and going to a big school in St. Louis and a big school, a soccer school, and that had um, a huge history. I really didn't go into slew with any expectations um you know knowing my scholarship that I had I knew there were expectations that were going to be on on me but I didn't go in there the guy that was playing in front of me a kind of a funny story of like you just always got to be ready for your opportunity and I always tell this when I'm talking to kids uh, or anybody really companies um you know I go into my rookie year we go in for our preseason physicals and the four I was a forward at the time um, growing up was always a forward. And so went into college and the, the, the freshman the year before was the freshman of the year in conference USA. And he played my position. So in my back of my mind is like, Hey, I'm, of course I'm going to compete, but the rea in all reality, if we're being real, like I'm going to be a backup to this guy and the other senior that's a forward. And so go into the, go into physicals and this freshman that was player of the year has a heart murmur that they they found and so he had to sit out a few weeks of preseason um and so for me at the time let's be real I didn't even understand what that meant for me I was just trying to do my best fit in with the team and and <laughs> um, if if I did well maybe that meant some more playing time throughout the year anyway long 
Uh, long story short, I ended up scoring a few goals in the first preseason game. The stadium opened that year in a preseason game against Indiana, who had won the championship, scored two goals in my first game in that stadium. Um, he, he, he gets cleared. They realize it was nothing. Um, but the coach kept playing me just based on my form. We went to the first uh, tournament of the season, scored a couple more goals. Um, anyway, next thing you know, he transfers out after his sophomore year. Um, and so it's just one of those things, like, I don't know if my 14 year professional career doesn't happen if that physical goes normal for him. And so whether that's business or whether that's soccer or whether that's dance or whatever your kids are doing, it's like, if there's, there's an opportunity, it's like, all right, here's your time, step up. And so looking back on the, you know, one or two games that maybe opened the eyes of the coach and said, Hey, this freshman's ready to have a bigger part than maybe we even thought for me that was the the early days at SLU um I don't think on your your main question though of like was I ready to go early I don't even know if I was after my sophomore year I just had a I had a good freshman year and then my sophomore year was a little bit better and so I was on the radar for folks leaving school to make like I said 24 maybe a little bit more if you're getting drafted out early like it's not great um then I got hurt my junior year, senior year had a pretty solid year, but I didn't get drafted high. And funny enough, I went to the, the senior combine. We um, every year at the combine, just like football or anything else, they invite the top prospects to go in and play. And Kansas City coaches were actually the coach of my combine team. And they had known me just from growing up. Every once in a while, we'd come and train or play against the Wizards, but they they needed a defensive midfielder. I was a forward, like I said, growing up my whole life, scored goals, you know, just like every forward, defended as much as I needed to, which wasn't a lot. Uh, but we went to the senior combine and they needed a defensive midfielder. And I wasn't starting in the first game. And I was like, I'd rather be on the field than sit over here and watch. And so anyway, played two or three games with the combine as a defensive midfielder. Uh, next thing you know, I'm getting drafted as a holding midfielder um, as a professional. And so talk about you know, a big change for me um, in that now I'm learning a new position and I'm playing against the best guys I've ever gone up with in my life. End up starting my first MLS game as a right back. So it's just like these things that, and I teach the kids that I'm coaching now, I coach my daughter's 11 year old team. And it's like, Hey, you all think you're forwards. Everybody wants to score goals. I get it. But at some point, some coach, your high school coach, your college coach, professional, whatever level you get to, you're going to need to understand the roles and the responsibilities of every position on the field in case you get asked to play. And I think that really helped me over the course of my career, make sure that I was on the field, whether it was as a forward, as a midfielder, as a defender, I played every position other than goalkeeper as a pro. And so um, for me, for these kids growing up, you know, everybody that gets recruited at a high level is probably a forward or attacking midfielder for their club team. And then you go into the college scene where everybody's that, and then that coach repositions you. So having an understanding of positions and responsibilities. And again, I think, you know, we talk about all the correlation to sport and business. It's like, you have to be open and you have to learn all the different things and be able to adapt and be a team player and have a good work ethic and all these different things um, correlate. And I think that's part of the reason that, Maybe the tra the transition was hard. I'm not going to tell you that it wasn't because it was very hard. But I was ready for a little bit of a challenge and something I, again, I had my business degree for 15 years and never used it. 
um, and was excited for that kind of next step. But the professional thing for me, I always, I always, I think maybe it was just ingrained in me that I was, I was going to school and school was first. Um, soccer was secondary as much as I wanted to probably think it wasn't at certain times. So it did, it was a, it was a very quick discussion about, do we leave early? And uh, to my parents, it probably wasn't even, um, you know, an opportunity that they were willing to even think about a second time. So you did obviously make the jump, uh, played in Kansas City, and then you uh, were traded to Portland. Uh, you, as I understand, you've never been in Portland before, a whole new environment. So you're moving your family to the other side of the country. Um, what was that initially like? I mean, uh, you said you got the, the captain's armband within 10 days, I think, but yeah. just all of those changes going on, what, what did you do to adjust not only whoops, to the new team, but with your, your family and new community and what were some of those, I guess, life lessons you'd learned prior to that to help make that transition easier? Yeah, I think as a, you know, when you enter into that arena and as a professional athlete, you, in the back of your mind, you always know that at some point it's going to happen, right? Like I was beyond fortunate to only be at two clubs in 14 years um, and one that was close to home and one that felt like home when we went to Portland. Um, but it was always on your mind. It was always on your wife's mind, um, that that call could be coming from the agent at any point, whether you knew it or not. Uh, you know, I would say I was, I was fortunate in that I always felt like within the locker room and within the coaching staff, I always had a pretty solid relationship there. So it wasn't going to be maybe as big of a surprise for us. Uh, and so even here in Kansas city, I mean, Coach Peter Vermees is who the, the guy that traded me last year. He walked me through their new training facility to, to show me it. We still have a good relationship. Yes, he flipped our world upside down by trading me. But I also went to his office at one point and said, you know, I understand you don't love working with agents and I want to be up front with you. Like if things don't change, I feel like I need to move. And of course, as any GM coach would do, they're not just going to move you to move you. But if the right offer comes across the table, they will. And at that point, I just asked if there's an option of different cities that we can move to, we'd love to be a part of that. And they, they were accepting of that. And so I just think having, you know, whether you're playing, whether you're in good graces with your boss, whatever it is, just making that you're upfront, you're, um, you know, you're, you're straight and you, uh, you build those relationships over time. It's so important when you're going through something hard like that. So yes, we had a house here. Yes, my wife had to put it on the market without me here. I went straight, you know, I got the call at breakfast in Arizona to go into his hotel room where him and the rest of the staff were there to tell me I was getting traded. Super emotional time, um, leaving Arizona to fly to meet Portland in Seattle um, where they're at a tournament. So not even going home, <laughs> calling the wife and telling her, hey, what we thought might happen over the last couple of weeks, you know, did come to fruition and, you know, it's time to, you know, we had a two-year-old, we didn't have our youngest at the time. So with a little one, um, again, we were grateful, we're grateful. We have family close that they could come help see, you know, help do things while I was out of town and get the house packed and all that stuff. But it is, I mean, it's literally boxing up your house and 
putting it on the market and, and moving to a place that we had never been. I had a, a buddy that I played with in Kansas City that um, was also on the team there in Portland and had been with the semi-pro team before they went professional. So I leaned on him a little bit to say, hey, we're going to have to find a house when we get, get back from Seattle. Can you help me in different communities that would make sense for us? And so he pointed me in the right direction there. And then, you know, and then you walk into a locker room with a, a brand new team and a brand new coach that you've never met. Um, it's just, it's a very interesting, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just a different world that most people will never have to, to face, right? Yes, I walked into Lockton and didn't know a single person other than the people that interviewed me, similar type situation. Um, so it's one of those things where, there's a different type of pressure on you when you come into a, a situation like that. And so, again, I played against the coach that, that traded me. And obviously we sat down and he talked to me about the reasons why he was super excited to have me. Um, like I said earlier, I was 29 years old. So I was there was one other 29 year old. So we were the two oldest guys. And he just said, hey, we're, so Seattle's our big rivalry. That's our big, huge rivalry, the Sounders, the Timbers. And that was the first game that I came into. And this was, I had been there maybe two or three days. And he goes, hey, um, brings me to the side before the first game. He's like, I want you to know I'm going to give you the armband, which means I'm going to make you the captain for this game. And I kind of fought back on it a little bit. Obviously, that's something I've, you know, had in particular times in Kansas City where for a game or two, but this, he was meaning more, you know, this is going to be a long-term um, situation. And I just said, hey, I don't know if this feels right. I've only been here two days. Like, I don't, I know only a couple guys, like, and he basically said, well, we're going to see how this goes. So we played the game in Seattle against our rivals. We ended up winning the game, which I don't think mattered at all. But um, and the guys, I think, rallied around having somebody new with some experience that um, was a fresh face. And again, like I said earlier, when you mentioned, you know, seeing ex players that you play with and. You know, it I don't care what they say about me on the field, whether they thought I was a great player or not, but I think. The one thing I would hope that whether it's Kansas City or Portland is that they like, hey, Jack Jewsbury is a good human being and I could call him if I ever need anything. And that's that's more important to me than anything on the field. And so and I think that carried over to most guys. Um, I would like to think so that that I was always there for them on or off the field. And so it was a great time in, in Portland. Like I said, we so in Kansas City, I won an open cup competition, which is like a side tournament, but it never won an MLS Cup. And um, in 2015, we did that. And so being a part of a a team and bringing it back to a city that hadn't had a championship with the Blazers or the Timbers since shoot the mid seventies, I believe um, was pretty special. And, uh, and something I always remember and my girls were there and my wife was there and having them be a part of it was pretty special. I bet. So you, you alluded to this and we discussed this before we, we started uh, taping, but uh, Craig Rocastle was a teammate of yours in Kansas city and he worked for Jag K at one time and and he mentioned uh you're a great human being so uh clearly that is uh who you are and uh, it sounds like that has helped you within the pro um athletics arena and in business and something we try to instill in, in our students that uh you may not always be the smartest person in the room. You may not be the best athlete, but you can certainly try to be the kindest person. Um, and so I think that's a great, great lesson uh, to teach. When 
when you are a professional athlete, whether it's in Kansas City or anywhere, what what is that lifestyle like? Not only just the travel and, and balancing kind of the the job with family, but some of the notoriety and the celebrity that comes along with it. What what challenges uh, are presented, and how were you able to deal with them? Yeah, there's a. Uh a lot of different levels into that question. So I'll try to tackle it the best way possible. Um, You know, one, there's, you know, there's so many pressures from, you know, early on when you're coming out of college, like, this is awesome. This is what I've always dreamed of doing. Um, Couldn't think of anything better. I go to training, I'm done by 1.30, 2 o'clock. I get to go home, hang out with buddies. (laughs) Like there's not a ton of responsibilities other than doing what you're doing on the field. As you get older, get married, have kids, things change, right? And your your responsibilities change, um, and and what's important to you changes. And so I really think, like, yes, it's it's an amazing career. Don't get me wrong, uh, I would not change anything for the world. But there are different pressures, right? Here in Kansas City, sporting has it's totally changed the game, and it's a way bigger deal than it was. But I could walk around Kansas City and do whatever, and barely get recognized maybe every once in a while um going to portland um and my buddy that i mentioned earlier told me he's like hey you're gonna get here and it's gonna be it's different they care about the blazers nba team but they're really like the soccer thing is nuts and so i get there and i feel it and i see it and i'm the captain and i'm put in front of every camera because i'm the oldest one and i'm you know we had a rough first two years so i was in front of the camera a lot and so being there and really being in the kind of limelight if you will we um it really changed in terms of like all right Uh, my wife always jokes she's like all right you got to make sure you're behaving always in public and stuff like because it was just it was a different beast there that we had never seen um or i had never been a part of and so but and cool in some ways right that my daughters could witness that and be a part of that and you know we um we got to do some cool things just based on so but the pressure of you know even while i was in portland for six years there were two instances where i thought i was getting traded from there and we didn't want to leave there i was mid-30s kind of wanted to finish out with with the way we had been settled in the area we wanted to stay there for the long term and so the threat of that we never settled we never bought a house there we constantly rented we had three houses that we rented there. So moving that um, and and really never felt like you could settle down or paint the kids rooms or make it their own because the, the fact that one call could come again and your world was going to get flipped upside down. Um, and so those are the hard things. Um, you know, the other hard thing is like as you're getting older and every draft happens, you know, you're 35 and they just drafted an 18 year old that's bigger, faster, stronger, maybe not as experienced, as smart on the field, but has different attributes that now you've got to make sure that you can keep your job. And it really does come down to that. Like this, yes, it's fun, but that wears off after a little while and it is a job. And the reality is that 18 year olds take trying to take food off your table for your kids. And so when you think of it that way and you start to think about the pressure that's under you every game. Uh, And that was magnified in Portland because like I talked, people cared at a level that I had never seen. And there were moments that were 
for me personally and for our team that were very bad moments in terms of games where it was embarrassing losses or whatever. And at the end of the day, you got to stand up and, and, and take credit when they're giving it to you and also take credit for the failures. And so as a captain of a team, you're usually that person that's right in the middle of it all, um, good or bad. And so you get used to that a little bit. Um, but it's also hard when family and friends are reading stuff that are, you know, being posted about you and this and that. And as a player, you always, you know, you stay away from social media as much as you'd like, or at least reading comments. Um, but there's different pressures on you. There's different expectations on you. Um, but that comes with the territory. And so is the trading thing. Like, you know, my wife always says like, this is what I signed up for. So it is what it is. And we're, we'll make the move. We'll make it work. Um, but it doesn't make it easy. And then on the final thing is just your normal life. Um, I would say people are, people always ask me like, do you miss it? And I'm like, yes. I, I mean, I miss the sport. What I miss is the locker room. And you probably hear this all the time from retired professionals, but like you miss the locker room, you miss playing a sport you love with your buddies and the, you know, the locker room and the banter that you have between each other. You miss that. Um, you know, stuff I love now that's different is that Friday night, if I want to go have a cheeseburger with my neighbor and a soda and a beer, I, I can, um, you know, we were so, we had a regimen that was insane. And in some ways, you know, we couldn't connect with different neighbors and stuff like that on a level that maybe my wife would have wanted to because of, I had to have a pasta and chicken on a Friday night before Saturday game at 6 30 PM on Saturday, I had to eat three and a half hours for a game. I mean, that's just the way I was wired. And, um, and I wasn't going to be out till late. I wasn't going to go drink beer. I wasn't going to do any of this stuff. So it's, and those are, those are little things in the grand scheme of it, but you're so scheduled and you're, you, you like, you have to really stay on, you know, in, in the lines or else, you know, things can go astray or people start talking or you're in the news or, you know, these bad things. So I think from that standpoint now, it's like, okay, I can take a deep breath. We can go on a family vacation in the summer. Like our season went from February to November or December. The year we won the final was December 5th. So you're talking about a whole year where families are going on spring break in March or April for schools. They're going on summer vacations. And guess what we're doing? <laughs> we have our season all year. And we don't, you know, you maybe have one or two days off in a row and you maybe go somewhere for an, a day or two, but your schedule's in a different world. So it's funny, like everyone's anniversaries are in November and December in MLS. <laughs> it's like if you follow all your buddies got married at like December 6th, 13th, 19th. So it was like boom, 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 right in the middle of the holidays. Um, and that's just the way it is because you really don't have the freedom to go on family vacations or the family could go, but you couldn't go with them. And so it's just different in those ways um, that now when I think about, you know, my role at Lockton, I'm like, Hey, I work very hard and I'm proud to work hard and have that work ethic, but I also have weekends off or if we want to go somewhere, we have two days. Um, and so being on that side of it, you know, is nice. And even when I went to the business side, we had a men's and a women's team that had games on the weekends and on the business development side, you're hosting different prospects and stuff at games. So I'm still in that same schedule where, you know, you're working nine to five during the week and then you're still going to games. 
And so you appreciate the time that you have now uh, once you're out of the game, for sure. So obviously um, the time constraints just because of the job, did you ever find yourself not establishing relationships outside the team or the organization because you um, wondered if they wanted to have a relationship because you were a member of the Portland Timbers? Um, I, I'm just curious. Yeah, um, I, you know, I guess I'm a relationship person um, and I love networking. So especially during my time in Portland, I had an opportunity and I had a platform where I felt like I had a pretty good feel of people when I met them, what, you know, what their, what their reason for meeting me was. Um, and so I tried to figure that out pretty quick, but I would say the majority of people, if they were fans, they were very nice to say, Hey, is it okay if we can have a picture or an autograph? We don't want to interrupt your family. Um, and if they were people that I met through, appearances and stuff that I did or partnerships that we had at the club. Um, again, that was kind of that natural progression when I left the business side is because through so many appearances and stuff that I had done with the club in six years and doing stuff in the community that I really got to know a lot of folks in the Portland metro area. And through a lot of the relationships and community work that I did, I had like real relationships. They weren't just surface level relationships. Um, and so that made it a little bit easier during the transition. Um, and I would say even for my wife, like we, you know, got into a great neighborhood where she had relationships for the first time outside of the soccer wives. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's one thing when you're with a group of people that all have the same concerns and issues. Um, but it's also freeing when your wife can go to a dinner and nobody wants to talk about soccer <laughs> uh, for the first time ever. And, and so I think those relationships were key. Those relationships have been key for me on the business side. Um, you know, I leaned on some of those early on, not necessarily to like sell them a sponsorship, but to just talk to them and like help their business. And if there, if there was any way that it made sense for us to be a part of that, then awesome. If not, let's, let's go have lunch together and help me, help me learn what you do and how you do it. Um, but those relationships um, for me, weren't something that I shied away from because I knew there was a next step for me. I knew there was something else. And I would say most of the time I got more out of those conversations with business people in the area in Portland than they got from meeting a soccer player, if that makes sense. Sure. So let's uh, talk. I'm having a problem with my microphone today. Um, let's talk about locked in company. Uh, it's a huge international company. Uh, it was a good opportunity for you to get closer to family. What was there any other reason that you decided to join uh, the company? And then tell us a little bit about, well, tell us about the company and then your role currently. Yeah. So, um, you know, I had heard about Lockton for, for years when I was in the Kansas City area and always had like anyone that you spoke to had positive things to say. Um, but I was so ingrained into to the soccer world. It wasn't like I was looking at anything at that point. Um, and like I said earlier, a buddy of mine that I played with for, I think, three to four years here, um, his name was Brian Roberts, or is Brian Roberts. And um, Brian and I always stayed connected. Um, we were buddies when he played. Um, I knew he retired early. He went and worked at sporting in the front office side, kind of had a similar career path. He realized he wanted to get out of sports. He coached the Lockton family's kids. And for years they were like, hey, you should come work for us. You're a good person. You're the type of people that we hire. 
um, we'll figure out that career path for you. Um, and over the years, Brian, I think has now been at Lockton for 13, 14 years. And about two years ago, we reconnected and I said, hey, you know, I had another company reach out to me and was kind of interviewing them in the Kansas City area. And he's like, hey, if you're interviewing in this area, please, like, I know what you're doing. I know your personality. Um, I know your character. Let, just like when the Lockton family came to me and wanted me, like, we'd love to interview you. Like, there's an opportunity here. Um, a producer here is looking for someone to support his business as a client advocate. And what client advocate is, just to kind of define my role a little bit, um, to make it easy and simple for everyone, about 50% of my time is on business development um, and looking for new opportunities. And the other 50% of the time is when we do have a prospect that turns into a client, making sure that what we promise them is, is coming to fruition. Um, and so early on, I don't have any new clients. So I'm working with my, the producer that, that brought me on uh, to support clients, to help him free him up for time um, and look for different opportunities. And the beauty of it is like, we don't have any territories that locked in, right? We have, we have offices all over the country. Um, just over, I want to say it, last thing I saw was 9,500 associates worldwide. Um, and the way Lockton set up is that we have different regions throughout the countries, which we call series, the Kansas city series, um, with Detroit, Omaha, Des Moines, um, Minneapolis is the founder series. Obviously, this company was founded here by the Lockton family in, I think, the mid-60s, mid 1966, um, and has grown to be the largest private insurance brokerage in the world. So it's an awesome story. Um, the family wants to keep it private. There's no, you know, that's, that's the difference. Um, and I think when Brian initially connected with me and was like, hey, if you're doing business development, we should talk, it was kind of like, why? Why should we talk? And he's like, we just... I think you're going to see that the culture that the Lockton family has built here is very similar to the culture that I was missing when I left soccer. Um, and so that excited me. Um, I had been on the business side with the club, but there was a little bit of back and forth from the business and the soccer side and um, was kind of looking for a new opportunity. And so I came and interviewed and I did, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I don't, I haven't been in the insurance industry ever, <laughs> um, but I'm in the relationship industry. And that's, that's what I've known. That's what I've always done, whether that's here in Kansas City or my time in Portland. As I mentioned, I just love networking and getting to know people. And so Brian and, and Lofton, they brought me here and interviewed with the producer that I now work with. And it went awesome and I could feel the culture and, and the way I always say it to people is like, it didn't like in MLS, you had the New Yorks and the LA's of the world that would spend a ton of money on these big name players and, and stuff like that. And, but at the end of the day, if the locker room culture wasn't right, when they step on the field, something's off. Um, and in Kansas city and Portland, like we were mid sized markets. So if those teams were going to be successful, you had to knock it out of the park with your culture in the locker room that when you cross the line with that group of guys, that there was going to be a fight and a belief that we could beat any team, no matter what names are on the back of the jerseys. Right. And so that's kind of the way I phrase is like, I was looking for that culture to be replicated and not to say that's easy. Um, but I interviewed at Lofton. It had an awesome feel. Everyone I interviewed with the guy at the, 
the person that I'm working with has been at Lofton for 24 years. Um, interviewed four other five, four or five people that other people, one was 13 years, one was 21 years, one was 17 years. And I feel like that's pretty rare. I don't know. I haven't done a ton of interviews, but to me, you know, I feel like part of the reason I didn't get traded a lot is because, you know, because whether or not I was great on the field, I offered something else in the locker room. And I feel like that's very similar at Lofton. Like people don't leave. And if they do leave, a lot of times we're seeing them come back after leaving for a year or two. And so to me, that's a culture thing, but everybody preaches culture. And so I did, I accept the position. We moved, we sold our house in Portland, came here, and then you get into it and you're like, gosh, I hope what they preached is, is real. And I can honestly say it's better than I expected. And this is, you know, you're talking about an office on, in Kansas City where it's 10 floors and we've got 1,200 plus employees. And that's hard to keep it. It's, it's one thing when you've got a locker room of 25 guys and you're the captain of a team and you can keep a culture or you'd like to think you can keep a culture pretty tight knit. But when you grow to that scale, right, like how do you keep that going? Um, and I think it, it really just falls back to the, the family still being involved, still having the core philosophies and still having the the reason that we're doing it and the goals that are set out there right like we want to make sure that we're taking care of our clients first our associates and the communities that we work in and that's the three pillars that we talk about daily um and it, it really it really rings true when you're in that building and so for me um the move was still scary but and learning a new <laughs> a new industry is was a bit daunting in the beginning uh, but couldn't be happier with the move after uh, coming up on two years in October. Right. You've provided a lot of wisdom and, and advice. Uh, I don't know if there's one piece that you could kind of narrow it down to, but if you were talking to a young person, whether they wanted to be successful in sports, let's just talk about being successful in life. Yeah. What would that, that one thing be if you could only tell them one thing? what would it be? Um, I think for me, it all, it all goes down to work ethic. Um, whether that's at school, whether you're in college and you have an opportunity to skip class in the morning or make sure you show up on time. Um, it's, it's that you have the work ethic and you have the mental toughness to be like, all right, I understand that half my team's not going to class this morning. But you know what, this is what I signed up for. It's 8 a.m., I'm gonna go. Or that's hitting the gym in the morning. Right now for me, that's tough. <laughs> I'm 42, I don't always wanna go to the gym. I've worked out 15 years in my, my, for my life as my job. I don't always wanna go to the gym now, but I feel better when I do, and I feel fresher when I go to work. So I gotta do that. And so for me, it's like showing up on time, you know? making sure you're putting in the effort when you're there at work. And that's not always easy, right? It sounds easy. Um, but I think that's, that's key no matter what you're doing, whether that's on a, a soccer field, uh, whether that's in a classroom or whether that's in the office. And that's where it starts. And then you've got to get knowledge in whatever you're doing, or you've got to get better on the field in your position, or you've got to get more knowledgeable learning Spanish or whatever class you're in, right? But I think it starts with showing up and, and working hard. And as long as you do that, you give yourself a chance to be successful. I'm not saying you're going to be successful, but you give yourself a chance. Um, and that's the one thing I locked in. Like I walked in that building, not knowing anything about insurance, not, not a lick. 
but people know that you know i've gotten to know a decent amount of people in the building and i think they know that you know i'm going to work hard and if they need me to do something i might not know how to do it but i'm going to find somebody else that can help me along the way and and that i'm going to be there when they're needed and so and that goes a long way and sometimes i might get in the way a little bit <laughs> trying to learn uh, and i told them just just be honest with me just tell me you need me to you know, boot me out of the room or tell me I'm adding work to you, to your job that you don't need to have. Um, and I think, you know, that open line of communication is huge, no matter what you're doing. Um, but it all starts with working hard and, and showing up, right? If you don't do that, you don't give yourself a chance. Yeah. Final question. Um, how, so you can take summer vacations now and you have your weekends, but how do you, how do you express yourself creatively outside of work or what do you do for fun? Um, so I coach my daughter's soccer team. Um, that's a little bit of an outlet that I stay connected to the game. Um, Cause as, as much as I, um, I, I say, I don't miss it. I still miss it. <laughs> There's things you can't, you know, you can't replicate the feeling walking out in a stadium on a game day and, and having 25,000 fans supporting you. So I miss that, but I get a little bit of an outlet of coaching my daughter's team. And, you know, she's 11 and still learning and, and helping them along the way is fun. So that's a little bit of an outlet, um, you know, having that freedom to, to be at my kids' games. I guess I didn't mention that either, right? Like when you're playing every Saturday, when they're growing up and my oldest does dance and missing dance competitions when she only has five throughout the year, not being able to be there for those. And now I'm there for those and I can travel for those and that type of stuff. So that, that really is, um, that's really been, a, you know, a huge benefit for me. And then I think finally, I mean, kind of a fun new outlet that I have that's keeps me somewhat competitive is, is pickleball. And I've got some, got some buddies that give me grief about, pickleball but uh, I enjoy I it's a little bit of a workout I get a little bit of a sweat and I can get the competitive juices going um, and my body doesn't feel too bad afterwards so I've been playing a little pickleball here and there which which I enjoy haven't gotten any games or real competitions but just kind of hitting the ball at the local gym which is nice great well, Jack, uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us, sharing your story and uh, giving out a lot of great advice. We really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for having me on. It's uh, nice. Nice getting to meet you. Thanks for watching Espresso Yourself with Chuck. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you will subscribe to the channel and also check out all the videos on our Jobs for America's Graduates Kansas YouTube site.